Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, how are you, how are you doing? I'm all right, yourself? I'm all right, thank you. We are it's back how... and um, it's a, we need to explain probably first, another live episode of Mouth of the Clyde. We are, well this episode is going to be um, published on Spotify and Apple and Google as it usually is after we finish here under episode 12 being the title but it's actually 12.5 because if you missed last night we done a very special um, live episode which is not going to be uploaded anywhere it was just for live for the people enjoying it at the time we told some crazy stories as part of our Saturday night bleep chat um, but you can catch one of them again next Saturday next the Saturdays is where we sort of let our hair down is that fair to say we let our hair down and we talk about whatever we like and um, it gets a bit mental on the Saturday night I don't even have any hair to let down, so you have to do it for me. You have to double let the hair down. Yeah, and like I want to say starting off as well, because yesterday we, we did use the start of the podcast yesterday because 13th of March was a, a very important date. A lot of monumental events happened on the 13th of March that we wanted to recognise, but since that wasn't getting posted, we wanted to this opportunity as well, just from us at Mouth of the Clyde to um, recognise and honour the, the, the anniversary of Dunblane, which was yesterday, um, and also the, the murder of Brianna Taylor as well. Um, we took time to recognise that, and also as well, we were we took time to pay tribute last night to Sarah Everard. We lit candles and shone a light on her doorstep as well. Um, it was a sad day yesterday, and um, it's, it's just a sad day, and it's things we don't want to forget. Um, but it's we're, we're going to have news on it today. We're going to talk about it, and it's it's kind of sad news in the papers today. Would you say that's fair as well? Oh, it was. It was. I found it fairly grim. Usually, I go around and try to find my <clears> wee silly stories, and it was yeah. really hard to do. And we're going to have silly stories for you tonight. They're definitely going to be there. Um, but we're we're, we're serious news as well. As usual on the Sunday, we buy the paper so you don't have to. And we're just starting a bit later tonight, just because we thought everybody would like to spend um, Mother's Day with our family and <clears throat> not have our podcast interrupted in the middle of the day. So we'll start off having our local. Um, we're not our local. We'll have local news in a wee minute, but we start off with having some random chat first of all, and um, just on what we think's funny, any sort of weird news we've came across. So. Um, I've got a few weird things, but I'll let William Brown kick us off first. The man with weird stories. What have you got for us? All right. So today, as usual, you, you went to Tesco's with Bryce, and I decided yes. I walked the dog. <clears throat> so while walking the dog today, I found a rock painted like a burger. So I, I love this. Like, I'm an adventurer, and when I find things like that, my Resident Evil side makes me put it in my pocket because that's what Fair you game. do. It will come in handy. So, but later on, I found one that was shaped like a pizza, and I like pizza better than that. But on the back mm-hmm. of it, it said, I didn't know this was a big thing. It said, Inverclyde Rocks. This was painted by Killen, Killian, who is three. And I messaged him earlier on the thing and said, I've messaged his mum and said, thank you, and told him my doggy found it. Max and Newshound did sn- sniff it out. He did. And... I just wanted to say that the painting the rocks thing is a big thing for kids right now. It's, it stops you watching telly and stuff like that, and it's like a big game mm. of hide-and-seek. And they, they so do like, encourage you on the rock as well. You're supposed to either you can take it and keep it, or you can take it and put it somewhere else. So um, we're going to put it up the, the cemetery, aren't we, for my brother who, who liked pizza. Yeah. We're going to put it there. But see, to go on from that, I've actually got a news story that is kind of interesting. Um, as we know, we, we spoke about on Mouth of the Clyde before for people to take care due to dog theft, and we're going to be speaking about that again today. Um, but plant thefts are actually on the rise during COVID, what? and why your gar- I why your garden should be at risk. 
So apparently what is happening is people have now got these things on their doorbell, you know, the, the Amazon thing that's watching, you know, the, the, the thing that you can record your doorbell. They're seeing that and people are pulling up to their driveway um, and they're either taking a cutting of their plants or they're fully going in and like stealing like decorations, like garden gnomes, sometimes furniture. Um, but people are getting furious because a lot of the time what's happening quite regularly with somebody that's got a nice garden, somebody will come and take cuttings of their flowers, like with a view of, I guess, growing it in their own gardens because they're doing a bit of garden. And plants are expensive and the garden centres have been shut and stuff, so people are getting desperate, I guess. How would you feel if you had your own home, you're just sitting one day on the couch and then look at the front, somebody's pulled up and they just start cutting bits off your fucking roses and stuff? I'd probably go out. Like, they're not going to run away. They're like, if you come out and you were like, what's up? And they're like, oh, I, I, because they wouldn't just be like, I'm taking your roses. It would be someone like, right. oh, your roses I'd be are very happy. Nice. I, I'd be very happy to like, share cuttings and stuff like that. But again, mm. it's that way, if it's happening constantly all day long and you've got like, you know, five, six people coming, that'll make a, a real difference to your garden and the way it's going to look. Like, eventually, you're not going to have a nice garden uh. or your cuttings are going to be spread all over the tune. I take a dent at it. That's why you get Lego flowers, Ash. Can't cut a Lego Exactly. Floor. That's what we're building at the moment. We've got a, a 765-piece Lego bouquet <laughs> from the, the botanic range from Lego, and we're going to be um, <laughs> we're going to be doing that. Um, so we'll, po- we'll post pictures of that on Mouth of the Clyde for you to see. But also, um, for me, it's an actual, absolutely terrifying prospect because I'm scared of mice and rats, and I know it's illogical, but I'm just scared of them. There's apparently been an, an outbreak of rats in gardens because um, there's not so many places open, such as like restaurants, cafes, where they'd usually get feeding from. And so they're using um, people's gardens and bins and stuff like that. And also, they apparently like certain types of flowers. So there's an article here saying that if you grow things like lupins or dahlias and stuff like that, it's actually quite tasty for them. If you've got a wee mini garden where you're doing some herbs and stuff in, the rats are into that and you could have a wee rat outbreak. And you're, look, there's a picture of the rat on there and it's making me physically sick looking at it, so I need to move away from that. Um, but we'll, we'll move after silly stories and go into local news. Have you got any green tails other than your rocks to tell them to? I haven't, I'll have a wee look, but no, I don't have anything offhand, Ash. What do you have? Um, On boarding news, it's locally a closure on the A78 in Greenock because they're doing £30,000 worth of roadworks. Um, I guess we should cover that just to give people the update on that. It's, you can be seen further details on the Greenock Telegraph, but it's taking place um, Monday 29th of March between the hours of 8pm and 6am. Um, and that's just so they can get the, the upgrades and stuff done. So that's going to be on the A78 through Greenock from Flatton Road to Bankfoot Roundabout. So if that's going to hamper your journey at all, <clears throat> make sure and plan alternatively for that. Um, also, if you're planning your journey, you'll be able to notice that bus passengers now have live updates and timetable information thanks to real-time screens at bus stops. And that's been inst- installed by the Strathclyde Partnership for Transport. They can be found at Wimsbury, Gourock, Greenock and Port Glasgow, with others previously put in place in Kilmacomb. Councillor David Wilson, who's chair of the SPT Operations Committee, said this is a fantastic addition to public transport infrastructure in Inverclyde. Working in partnership with Inverclyde Council, I know SPT hope to expand these screens further in the district. So that's quite handy because sometimes they're delayed and stuff like that and the wee printout that's on the bus stops not even accurate at all. Yeah, I, I usually can't read it either. I did have something that I forgot about, but when I went on, I seen it again. Yes. The Cascart Square, the Big Mid Cook, are looking to raise £20,000 for a new boiler because their boilers went and they hold a lot of youth events and organising community groups and stuff in there. And you know what I'm going to say? I was setting it up for you to bat it out of the park. Here, I'm going to bat it out of the park. They should contact our friends and sponsors at the Inverclyde Boiler Company. Our friend Shane over there would sort them right out. So if you're listening, Cathcart Square Boiler Concerned Citizens, 
contact the Inverclyde Boiler Company. They are the sponsors of this fine podcast, Mouth of the Clyde. They support our podcast and newspaper needs, and they're very, very nice people. It's good to support locals. So get on to the Inverclyde Boiler Company. There's a solution right there. They might date for less than 20 grand. But we can't promise that. We can't kind of promise that, but but they've got the showroom now. Have you seen the, the exciting showroom has opened? It's all painted bright orange, and Shane has assured us there is um, tea and coffee and biscuit facilities in there. So if you're in the market for that, or do you know what? I would even just say, MD, add the name and number of the Inverclyde Boiler Company to your phone because you don't know when something like that's going to go wrong. So just put it on your phone. I, would... um, I was going to speak to you about something because, you know, being a child of the 90s and into, uh, music and stuff as you are, there's a new film, a fictional film, about a, fi- a, a, a film of a fictional green-up band. Um, it's called Ever Young. It's a short film by Andy McGregor. It recorded at the Beacon in February. What do you think about that? That would be interesting. It's a, 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 a strange choice. Well, Ever Young is the the word the Greenocks like only rock band and called Whiter. I remember them selling T-shirts and stuff that looked like munchies. On that as well, if you're interested in um, sort of concerts and green up bands and stuff, there's going to be a post on mouthofthecloud.com this week where Will is working on the sort of bands oh, and famous people that are um, have done concerts in green up and stuff in the past. So yeah. keep your eye out for that. That's going to be a good one. I'll be um, touching on... I'll... Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to move on to uh, national news, but you can finish off. Yeah, I was touching on Morrissey playing here in 2005. If you were there, drop us a line and let us know what you think. I might add it to it because... All I've got is my own memories, and I was kind of drunk that night. So a sober view. Yeah, please get in touch out. if you are sober. Although I don't know who's going to be sober. Was it a Morrissey gig? Um, the national news now, if we can move on to news in Scotland. Um, this week is going to see the 80th anniversary of the Claybank Blitz. going to be marked in Scottish Parliament, led by a, de- a debate led by um, SNP MSP Jill Patterson. Um, the fatal raids will also be commemorated through a booklet with personal statements and tributes from key political figures, including First Minister Nicola Sturgeon and Presiding Officer Ken McIntosh. Um, so that'll be going on this week. So if you're a sad old us and sit and watch Parliament TV, you'll see that. But we'll probably sit and watch it and get the, the best, nicest bits. We'll cut it in a wee nice video clip for you and put it on most of the Clyde Instagram. So where did they blow up? Oh, that sounds so cruel, Will. Where did the bombs hit in Clyde Bank? Well, it, it hit a lot of places. So it claimed a total of 1,200 lives and injured a further 1,100 people, left thousands of people homeless. And I know it's in the Clyde Bank and stuff like that, but it hit in this area as well, doing for Clyde. Yeah. Um, it sort of goes on to say, Will Glasgow suffered the highest number of fatalities in the Second World War, Luftwaffe raids on the nights of March 13th to 14th and March 14th to 15th, 1941, um, at around 650. The borough of Clyde Bank was hit the worst in proportion to its population of about 50,000. According to an official count, in 1942, the Clyde Bank raids killed 528 people and seriously injured 617. Um, and there was a, a sewing works there, John Brown and Company Shipyard as well, which um, maybe got a bit of family historical this to you. That's what I was actually working on, because I knew it was the John Brown Shipyards and I was just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> um, and... But like, on that topic as well, if you're interested in this sort of like Second World War thing and reminiscing on that, um, we'll post on Mouth of the Clyde Instagram a couple of times this week letting you know about a company called Cartsburn Publishing, which you're probably familiar with, but they've released a book on Inverclyde during the Second World War. Um, I think it's like £25. You can find Cartsburn Publishing on Twitter. 
um, and buy the, the book from them and they'll, they'll, they'll put it out to you. But I think it's, they've self-published it, they're promoting it well, and the, the research they've put into this is absolutely amazing. Even yeah. if it's not for yourself, if you're not interested in that sort of thing, put it away for Christmas or for Father's Day or like a birthday or something like that. It's a great wee gift. And I'd like, it would be a great thing that like every household in Inverclyde to sort of have, like, just to know about our history and all that sort of stuff. No, like, we yeah. definitely be getting one, but we don't want to spoil it all and share everything on the mouth of the Clyde. But uh, definitely go on and get yourself a copy of that. I'll get it for somebody for a gift. It's a great wee thing. I'll give it a read anyway. I like that sort of thing. It's always yeah, interesting. It's really interesting. It. Really interesting. Because like we talked about the other week, we're talking about the sort of the history and you not give like, they used to use the Ravenscraig as a mental asylum and a, a yeah. workhouse and all that. So it's interesting knowing the history of where you live and what used to be there and everything. It's yeah. good. Um, on other national news, there's been calls for Scottish foreign policy to be more ambitious. And this is coming from Stephen Gethins, a professor of practice at St Andrews University, of a, a professor of international relations, saying there's been too little focus on Scotland's place in the world. He said, I think it's because foreign policy is reserved to Westminster. There are some people who seem to think that foreign policy isn't something for Scotland, but some of the most important political and societal developments in Scottish history have been as a direct consequence of foreign policy. Um, it is a long time ago, but informs the present. One of the first things William Wallace did after the Battle of Stirling Bridge was to write the letter of Lubeck, telling the Hanseatic League Scotland is open for business. Robert the Bruce had the declaration of our Bruce and independence was brought to an end in part because of the Darien scheme which is a foreign policy venture in Panama. So um, just sort of encouraging Scotland to show that it can go on its own two feet and make a more ambitious foreign policy. We did speak about this earlier in the week because we had a, a gentleman from England on asking me and Will were positioned on Scottish independence and if we would support that. And one of our arguments sort of was that we would support a more centralised government because it seems to be, if you look at the, the Brexit referendum, that the whole of Scotland voted one way and Westminster said, so fucking what? So we're not being listened to. So that was my main argument on it. I had the same argument. But I, I was interested there, right? Sorry to go back on something. Not did, you see, did you see that Richard, Robert the Bruce had a Panama thing? So I was just trying to link that. All right, so for the thing, so what happened? Um, the Darien scheme, which is a foreign policy Aye, venture in Panama, as in the country Panama, yeah. Yeah. You can read into the Darien scheme, you can look into that. I'll give that a read. That sounds very interesting. Uh, Mike Russell from the SNP has been on the back of Boris Johnson this week. Boris Johnson spoke at the Scottish Tory conference today, which was dull as dishwater. We were going to make a short clip and put it on Mouth of the Clyde for you, but as usual, he blustered and said nothing of any relevance at all. We can find that on YouTube if you're interested. Um, ahead of the, the Tory conference, though, Michael Russell, the SNP, um, came out and said, so today I'm challenging Boris Johnson to make his position crystal clear. Does he accept that Scotland has a democratic right to choose independence in a post-pandemic referendum, or is his position that the people should never be allowed to choose their own future under any circumstances? In true Trump-like fashion, Boris Johnson will address Tory party members today and signal that they should that should they lose the Holyrood election in May, then he simply won't recognise the result. But privately, the Prime Minister and his colleagues know that a Trump-like bid to deny democracy is untenable and unacceptable which is why they're so busy in the background making plans on how to contest an independence referendum. So they're obviously concerned. There's obviously worry going on uh, yeah. down south. Definitely, but if you just... What they do is they just treat us like idiots. But nah, nah, you can't do that. But mm -hmm. really, they're, they're pretty much shiting themselves through the whole thing. And also the the human representation of a grasshopper, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Moggy, moggy, moggy. Moggy, moggy, moggy. We spoke about earlier in the week how he was on the Conservative Home podcast called The Mogcast. Um, he said the SNP is a very serious force and one should, al one should always take one's political opponent seriously, for fuck's sake. 
Um, it was quizzed over how important it would be to prevent SNP majority in the forthcoming Holland election, which would lead to great pressure, he said, on the UK government. Rees-Mogg said the polling on independence has slightly weakened, but he accepted it has been strong. Even whilst it has been strong, most people have said they don't want a referendum now. And I think there's an element of recklessness in arguing for a referendum now in the midst of a pandemic with so many other many things going on. And obviously there's a risk if a party stubbornly opposes a referendum year in, year out. But I think there's considerable view in Scotland at the moment that the time is not right for a referendum. What do you guys think on that? Have you got any opinion? My view on it is obviously it's not a right time. I think the SNP know that. They don't want people in the middle of a pandemic voting for Indy. But I think the time is coming. What do you think? Nope. Without a doubt, it is coming. It's a wobbly tooth, as I, I would always say. That mm. It's going to happen at one point or another. So all they can do is just protect, just lie to them and tell them it's not going to happen until it happens, if you know what I mean. They just continued disrespect. Like if you watch Westminster yeah. and you watch the you know PMQs and stuff like that, you see the absolute disrespect the SNP gets from all sides. People calling them the nationalists and like just absolute disrespect, laughing at them, telling them to go back to Scotland and it's just it's ludicrous, absolute disrespect. I don't know how they can treat people like that, knowing fine well that them people are being voted in by constituents who are watching that behaviour and then the Tories demand some sort of respect and some sort of loyalty from from voters like I just fucking don't get I don't know who in Scotland is voting Tory in this day and age I do not know I have no idea either but it's the one term that annoys the fuck out of me is Jokistan as soon as they say Jokistan I was like come on the fuck just somebody leap across I'm always waiting for my big like I don't know if other people have favourite politicians because me and I do watch the parliament TV quite a lot and they're like this big stoic looking fucking Highlander Braveheart guy that sits on the front bench for Scotland. That old Chris something. You know the guy I'm talking about with the long hair and the beard that always looks like he's got a sort Chris of Braveheart. Law. Is that it? Beard, I, long it, hair? Um, Member Parliament for Dundee, yeah. Chris Law. Nah, he's a stoic looking motherfucker. That's, nah, he's that's always like. brilliantly. Um, further Brexit news here saying that there's a fear that Scotland is going to be flooded with so-called Frankenstein foods. Um, the consultation around the ends on Wednesday. Boris Johnson's aim is to introduce gene editing so that shoppers in Scotland may be duped into buying foods that have been genetically modified. Um, the Scottish government remains opposed to genetically modified foods, also called GM foods, in line with the EU Internal Market Act. Um, this means that products that do not meet the, the regulations could still be marketed and sold in Scotland and shoppers could be left in the dark about what they're actually buying. Um, the Martin Hosling, who, uh, the agriculture spokesman for the Greens and the EFA for the European Parliament, said that consumer studies have demonstrated again and again that consumers do not want GM food and feed. The UK will therefore lose a big market for its gene manipulated products. Um, and some boss at Waitrose has said that shoppers tend to be opposed to gene editing, and if their customers don't buy the food, there's no point. I mean, how would you feel? Because if they're not going to advertise, like, legally, they don't need to advertise that it's genetically modified, so you don't know what the fuck you're eating. Who wants Is that? that? Is that chlorinated chicken? Because I know that was always brought up. Is that what that is? Or is that so like it, the it, they could be selling chicken that, that is basically being grown in a factory. So similar to what sort of vegetarians or vegans would eat. But we know that sort of artificially manufactured yeah. with that texture. Um, but people could be eating things with no idea. There's not, so they think they're buying chicken or they think they're buying steak, but they're actually not. Is that like the thing? Are you talking about the ones where the seeds have been modified? So it's like big giant tomatoes the same size as your head sort of thing also? Like that's what... I will, any sort of form not... of, of gene manipulation like it, yeah. it can affect people across the board because as we've said we spoke about a couple of weeks ago we've noticed that certain fruits and vegetables we buy like us being vegetarian we've noticed a lot of them are getting a bit more scarce a bit more expensive so we've definitely noticed that or strawberries from Egypt at the minute 
um, for any Inverclyde listeners listening as well, and anybody that's got an interest in Trident, um, the UK government is planned to is expected to set out plans to increase the number of Trident nuclear warheads next week in what has been described as a highly provocative move. In 2015, oh, the UK Strategic Defence Review committed to reduce the overall nuclear weapons stockpile to no more than 180, but by 2020s, Whitehall sources indicated the cap may actually increase, not decrease, as they promised 2015. There's speculation, however, that the increase could be planned to persuade the US to co-fund aspects of the Trident replacement warhead in the next decade. So if you are against that, make it known. Write to Arenity, write to phone her Arenity phone and, and let them know we do not fucking want more nuclear warheads in Scotland or in Faslane, anywhere near it. We want them out. If you want them, UK government, take them to England. I, did you see in the news last week, Ash, about how they were they took them out for a wee walk and Mark military convoys were carrying nuclear weapons spotted going through Glasgow? Yeah, I've seen that. that That's was horrifying mental. to me, absolutely yes. horrifying. That's a Nicolas Cage film waiting to happen there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something I want to go into really quickly because we've spoke a, a few times about COSLA and about the effects to the to local authorities and local councils um, on like on their on their budget um, due to the coronavirus and things. COSLA have come out and, and they, they're one of the people accusing the SNP to have neglected and mistreated Scotland's local councils. Amid a warning, local authorities have faced real-term cuts to their non-ring fence budgets by approaching one billion pounds of one million pounds approaching over an eight-year period. Scotland's Scottish Labour's new local government spokesperson has appealed for the relationship between Holyrood and councils to be reset, and COSLA, the umbrella organisation for Scottish councils, has demanded work on a new proposed funding arrangement to be restarted as the country emerges from the pandemic. Um, so COSLA is, is part of the ones that campaigned for council tax to be frozen for additional funding to be given to local councils and you can see a lot of stuff on their website about that there's a, there's a whole plan that they put out to encourage local government um, but it seems as if the money is just not there so the Scottish government have been criticised on this what do you feel about this? Like We spoke about how we're concerned for council tax being frozen that this is going to sort of come back and bite us in the arse in years to come it's not going to last forever it's not at all, is it? It's every time that they do this, that always ends up like the things that I always like is street sweeping and like it's just the little things like that, mm-hmm. like where people don't think about like our bins. It's like, things that like, be... like things like arts and leisure and oh. culture that are that are things that are going to be neglected, and they're so busy like focusing on other things. They think these things are not important. So towns like Greenock end up with very very few like places to go very few resources where kids can go do art and dance and things and there's places you can go if you pay for it but some people are not in that sort of way that they can pay for it why isn't there things available that people can go to somewhere nice and spend a day like going around, like there's a we've got a massive rich history in this area like we're, yeah. like if you look away back there's a really rich history and we've got this tiny wee place where we can go to the museum and, and about our history and most of it's not even about our history all the upstairs are just all these fucking awful taxidermies mummies and ta- did you know, right, this is something I'm not, I'm still thinking, Greenock's actually got three museums. So we've got the fire engine one, and we've got yeah. the, 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 one, the museum up by us. Then there were one, I'm not sure if it's still there, but like, you know down by the beacon, like the big building, uh-huh. they, had, they had one on, because that used to be like customs I and excise. I don't know if that's there anymore, I know, I know that building was customs and excise, I don't know if that museum Yeah. Is. Um, but speaking on that, there's a um, a plan to bring to the 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 Scottish Thingy Museum 
the Nasty Scottish National Museum, they're actually doing an exhibition on COVID. So the way when you go to, you know, that place in Glasgow, you go to where they've got a sort of wee tenement building and they've got a butcher shop and all that, and you can see how people that lived like, in the sort of 50s oh. and stuff like that. Um, and so they're going to have a, a sort of COVID special wing in that, like a sort of archive, and it's going to include, like, the signs that you saw up in supermarkets of, um, you know, toilet roll shortages, uh, the hand sanitising stations for people to see the stickers that were on the ground, pictures of town centres looking sort of desolate and stuff, so future generations can remember can what remember Scotland it. went through and what happened. And we sort of, we thought that would happen anyway. Like we saw the stickers yeah. getting put in our local town. We are like, oh, this is going to be remembered. This is going to be a big thing. And right enough, it is. So the, the, the Scottish National Museum, soon you're going to be able to see a, a COVID exhibition. That's like on that street. Is that in the Transport Museum? Because I've, I've had a wee walk around that. I've no, I think it's going to be the one in Edinburgh. The, oh. Sort of the big one. That's a nice one up there. I actually like that one. Um, if I could talk about something else, so it's quite serious. Like after you know everything that happened in Grenfell a few years ago, um, there is a, a, apparently more than a hundred Scottish high-rise towers still have the same deadly cladding despite millions in funds available. Um, they're saying uh, four years after Grenfell, they claimed the lives of around eighty people. Sadly. Research by the Herald um, has revealed that one in seven blocks of flats in Scotland overseen by local authorities have the combustible material. Um, the Scottish Government is under criticism because they've not spent a penny of the £450 million available to them in the last year to deal with this problem. At least 85 high-rise blocks and over 130 other buildings, mainly schools, overseen by Scotland's 32 local authorities, contain high-pressure lamina, also known as HPL panels, which safety experts have raised serious concerns over. How does that make you feel that four years on, we've still got wee kids going to school, potentially living in as well, places that, that the same materials that cause Grenfell, that cause those people to die? The day, and like, and countless they, others to be displaced? Ah, as soon as they found out like, that stuff, that shit should have just come straight down. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no matter what that, it costs. Ah, no matter Even if it, for just a, a couple of weeks, like, just take it down, and we'll fucking figure out something to stick on it. We'll paper mash it. Just... No, that would go on fire too. Something because look, look at the fucking death of that. Did we mm. not? I know, I know, this sounds grim, but did we not watch that live? Were we not like seen that in the news? We, we, we did. And... We like because we've got we've got um things that are sent to us like, as things happen, like sort of breaking news and stuff. And it's like short sentences sometimes, but we had got the alert that several fire engines had been called out, and so we put on the news, and it wasn't on yet. I but we sort of watched that story happening live, and it was absolutely horrific. It's absolutely tragic. That was in June twenty seventeen. Happened, I'm sure you can remember that absolutely tragic, and there's still people oh, being displaced for that. It's absolutely horrific. Um, but the questions have to be asked: though, if the funding is available to the government, why, why have they not made these changes? What's going on? There's, there's not any. It's not any of the high facts never quite. Well, it could be. It's it's, it's covering thirty two local authorities, so we'll definitely oh. need to look much into that because uh, the the study's been done by the Herald, and they've not made much more clear yet. But we will definitely look into it and make you aware if any of it's affecting your local area. But um, it's it's regardless of what area in Scotland it is, and we're only sort of as strong as we're weakest member, so we should all be concerned about that. Um, the professional body that is for Scotland solicitors sent a letter to ministers from the Scottish Tenants Organisation, said that the, the Scottish government was complacent, negligent and inexcusable of ministers to ignore the studies on combustible cladding and criticise the lack of spending. A spokesman for North Lanarkshire Council said, we're aware that the new guidance from RICS has issues relating to HPL cladding, and we are currently assessing our council housing stock to identify if there are buildings which require EWS1 form to ensure we comply with the guidance. We have placed robust safety and monitoring procedures for all our buildings in line with blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. It's just, 
it should have been done. And it should have been done not, by now. Four years, yes, ten. It should have been done. But it's... <clears throat> reprehensible? I, I don't know what that word reprehensible. is. Reprehensible. That's it. That's what it is. Uh, there's another thing here that the SNP are apparently trying to reach 2.5 million voters, a new digital leaflet campaign. Um, so as we know, the elections are coming up on May 6th. And there's a link on the mouth of the Clyde Instagram if you have not registered for postal votes, just to keep yourself safe so you don't have to actually visit the polling place on May 6th. The deadline for postal voting to be registered is April 6th as well. Um, so 30 days ahead of the election. If you go on mouth of the Clyde Instagram, there's a link tree and that will lead you to the exact place you need to go to print the form to send it into the Electoral, Electoral Reform Commission um, and they'll register you for postal vote and send that to your house so you don't have to go anywhere and put yourself at risk. Um, but SNP members are being asked to share online campaign material with 20 other people. And then the SNP's views that will reach two and a half million voters of them doing this. That's mental. I mean, would you sit and share a fucking thing with 20 people? Absolutely not. If we just got share all, yeah. I'll just hit that. And then people just get irritated at me because they don't care. Like, you have mm. to look who you're sending it to. I have a story about that too, Ash. Oh, do you? Did, did, yeah. Did you know John Swinney, if you put... If you give him £200 to go into his war chest, let's call it, he will send you a signed bottle of single malt. And he isn't the only one that's doing this sort of stuff. They're also, like, £60 or more will get you a ticket for a special SMP social event with special SMP guests. And also, Swinney will post... These will be collector's items for £30. You'll get an autographed postcard from John Swinney. Oh, that's tacky. Yeah, that is, that is quite tacky. But he's Did not he just the only trying one. to rip the piss out and get money before he's sacked. Nah, just get it all in. Patrick Harvey is £25 and he will send you an enamel badge oh. and uh, a copy of the Greens Manifesto signed by him. Fucking hell. What <laughs> desperate times. But the other one here is uh, Claire Ann Adamson of the SNP. We'll give you a five-minute... if you, For a five, we'll give you a Zoom call and come say hi and thank you to your face, which is quite oh, nice. Oh, wow. See, speaking of Zoom calls, if you wouldn't mind if I sort of went off topic just for a quick minute. Go ahead. Um, just because this Friday, we're actually going to have a very special event coming up on Mouth of the Clyde. Um, a friend of ours, Kirsty McGregor-Burns, she's a psychic medium and she's going to be speaking with me on Friday night live on stereo. We're going to put up some more information on Mouth of the Clyde Instagram throughout the week so you can find out more about Kirsty and her sort of background. We'll be asking her all about that in the podcast. But also, if you come on stereo while we're live, Kirsty might be able to speak to you and maybe give you a reading or just have a chat with you. She's a lovely, lovely person. She's done so much throughout the year, her life, to, to help the local community. And that's very much a focus for her. She's got so much going on that it'll be really interesting for you to hear. So she'll be with us Friday night live in stereo at 9pm. And you can find more information. We'll post that through the week so you can see. But that's going to be a great chat. Don't miss that one. I might also have be one, but I'm not sure the day that I'm still speaking to my... But yours will not be as interesting. You'll have Christopher uh, no. James Aikman talking about nerd I will, stuff. I will be covering... Like, I know some of you are Marvel fans. And if you want to hear two men close to the 40 coming up with ideas that probably won't happen in the show, but I will come back to you with... What is this, a fish called WandaVision thing? No, this is the Falcon and Winter Soldier... Or, oh God! As a, as a, a, it works on paper, right? The Falk, the Falkman, and the Wilter soldier will be right. Gone. That's bad. Right. Anyway, move on. 
Um, we spoke a few weeks ago about um, people stealing pets because there was oh. a girl that took her wee doggy outside for a pee-pee at night time and saw a man across the street watching her. She got a bit freaked out because he started asking questions and closer and closer, took the dog inside, but the man continued to stand outside her garden staring into her house. Um, and then she noticed later on that this man had added a, um, sort of one of these cable tie things to the lamppost outside her house to sort of distinguish the house. So she became very concerned that it was because there's been a spate of dog nappings. According to a charity here, um, there's been a 170% increase in dog thefts over the past year. Um, due to COVID, there's been a high demand for people to get dogs since they're being at home and stuff like that. Um, this lady that was in here, her name's Holly Morgan, she's 26. She had her dog stolen um, and she the dog was missing for 18 days. She thought she was never going to get him back again, but thankfully, eventually she got him back. Um, dog's called Bud and he's a cocker spaniel and she was lucky, got him back safe and well. But then she's absolutely terrified to you know let him be even in the garden on his own. Um, an online survey was done here. It says with its 124,729 responses, with a large majority saying dog theft was a serious problem and that thieves should suffer stiffer sentences. Key findings revealed that 96.9 said that dog theft is a serious problem. 22% actually know someone who's had a dog stolen over the last year. And 78.4% of people whom, of whom the question was applicable said they had grown more fearful of taking their dog for a walk during the day. What would you do if you had Max out a walk and somebody came up and tried to steal him? I'm going to have to put my life on the line because if I didn't, if this person didn't kill me, Bracey would. And then mm-hmm. Max is my brother, pretty much. So, like, I do get fearful at I night. I would rather when... someone kill me than take Max. Like, I would, I would yes, fight to the death to for somebody to not get Max. I would not let somebody take him. Because I, I told you, look, a couple of weeks ago, for you found funny when I thought Max actually got taken, but yeah, he just ran I away came, from you. I came up crying. So I opened the door. I held the door. I came in the close and didn't see him. Then I went back out and I was panicking because I couldn't see Max and I was shouting on him and I had tears in my eyes. And I was like, I'm going to have to go upstairs and tell them I've lost Max. I'm going upstairs to tell. And like, I got the lump in my throat and I was like, they're going to kill me. Like, this is that. And I opened the door and he's just sitting in the, sitting in the close looking at me. He must have ran past my legs when I went in. And he's just, he's just sitting, smiling at me. And like I've still got this big lump in my throat, and I pick him up and hug him, and I'm like, "Don't ever do that again to me." And I came in, and like I was in a mess trying to tell you, and he's all jumping about, all happy. And I'm sure oh, this is Jesus. I still think it's because I stood on a chip shop pack that made a bang, and he looked at me, and that was him getting me back. But see, to move on to other pet news, by the way, um, it's it's not new news now. It's happened a wee while ago, but we forgot to cover it but last week. But uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's dogs, Champ and Major, um, had to be returned um, to their home. They were living in the White House, but they had to return them to the family home in Delaware because they were getting aggressive with um, some of the staff in the White House. So they had to I've, be sent back. I've got this. There were a biting incident from the two dogs who were actually adopted like last year. And they're blue. Displayed agitated behaviour and barking and chasing staff and security. Champ is 12, but the other one is was adopted as a puppy last year, I think. That's a lot of pressure but, on him. Yeah, but if you move them into another house and they're used to being somewhere, like they are going to play up. Like, that's what happens. I've also got pet news. Other one, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. The, they're no threat from sputtery animals. Cats, hamsters and horses... And ferrets. 
can get COVID, but they're likely to bounce back and have no help and can't give it, pass it to humans. Mm, okay. I, I've actually met animal news with a fellow pets today. Um, yep. One of the nation's favourite pets, Larry, the chief mouseketeer at Downing Street, um, has put on half a kilo during lockdown and <laughs> a memo has been sent out by email to staff in 10 Downing Street um, to he's likely due to too many dreamies can we please reduce these and the media has also been advised of the same thing because as you know the media camp out in front of Downing Street waiting for events to happen um, and they just bring dreamies of their own to feed Larry because they love him and they want a bit of attention off him so um, Larry's putting on a bit of weight and so they're trying to get him to, to loss a bit, poor fucking Larry He's got to live with Boris Johnson, how to live with Theresa May. He's been yeah. through enough. Let him have a bloody dreamy. His photo, like he actually has a portrait, which is one of the funniest that he's got the Union Jack bow on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he has a cabinet place because he is, as you said, the chief mouser of the cabinet office. So he actually... Um, there's another Dodger story here, actually. Police Scotland are owed more than £104,000 after the collapse of a company which organised the prestigious cycling event, Women's Tour of Scotland. The company is called Zeus Events. They organised a race which took place over three days in August 2019, but the company failed to pay a number of contractors involved in the event. They've since ceased trading, leaving a trailing debt of £694,102. Um, the police got though are not the only public body owed money um, by this company. They also owe the ambulance and fire services. Um, and this is actually going to cost uh, taxpayers now. They're going to be out of, uh, taxpayers out of pocket by £200,000. Um, because they used these public services and didn't pay back what they owed, so that's absolutely yeah. shocking. That's not good, is it? And the thing is, there's no use naming Zeus Events as the company that went bankrupt. Where you want to do is name and shame the fucking directors behind it, because you can bet that God made little apples that this company's just going to turn around and that direct that whoever director of the company is is going to turn around and make a, yet another another company. Is what's going I to happen? Just change your name, and that's it. Um, I, but we, we talked about the COVID collection that you're going to see in the National Museum of Scotland that's going on as well what else have you got have you got anything you want to put in oh, just now before I move on well, are we still on Scotland um, I, we're sort of verging on between Scotland oh. and Mer National News yeah have we got a we, comment I've got a comment I just wanted to say um, well I come from Dubai I've been to Scotland one time I went to Aberdeen I love your accent, but more importantly, I love Iron Brew, and uh, <laughs> I just love love the accent. I love listening to Scottish people talk. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks for listening. Do you know I, what? Like, though, I'm like they say it's from Dubai. Yeah. Well, like I want to go there because I watch them. I watch these like vlogger family that are from there, and they always go and they get like this chai tea. And apparently in Dubai, that's like a super hot thing. That's like the pure standard thing that you go, you go, you don't get a coffee, you get this chai tea. The way they make it looks fucking incredible. It looks so different from the way we make it here. And they say how like nice it is. So I'm desperate to get to Dubai just for the fact that I want to try this chai tea. And you'd think it was weird because, like, drinking a hot drink in such a hot place. Like, I remember when I went to Dubai, it um, was just to, like, literally change over for a flight. It was just a layover. But I walked outside the airport and my whole body covered in sweat instantly. I, that was something my nan always said when I was younger, was, like, oh, have a cup of tea. Oh, fizzy juice doesn't, doesn't, oh, thingy, doesn't, uh fractured juice. I think it was. Quench your thirst. And, quench your and, thirst. Have yeah. a cup of tea. No. Speaking on your nan, by the way, see if we can just address the fact that it's Mother's Day today. 
Um, I'm reading this uh, information from The Observer, so this is going to be rules based on English people, but one in four parents in England are planning to break lockdown rules and take their children to visit grandmothers to celebrate Mother's Day today. A survey of mo more than 2,000 people was carried out by The Observer um, of, of families planning to meet today, with more than a quarter of parents prepared to break COVID-19 restrictions to do so. One in 20 parents say they, they and their family will visit a vaccinated grandmother indoors. Just under a quarter of parents whose children are all of the age of four will also go with their family and meet grandmothers today. A further 16% of parents are planning to see their mothers without breaking rules because they're in a bubble together. And 1% plan to visit in a care home. So my mum and Nan... Breaking the law! My mum and Nan's pretty much stay together now, so... Yeah. We don't really have a problem with that. But I know the, the rest of my, my tribe has went over and visited my mum. And I will try to keep you safe, and that's why I didn't go see my mum. That was nice of you. Player comment. To be honest with you, the chai tea, it's about, it's about 20p. They do it really nice, but the problem is it's really sugary, so you end up getting more thirsty after you have it by about maybe 40 minutes. You start becoming really thirsty. I would like that, though. I like really sugary things. What's the sort of, like, popular dessert that you get in Dubai? Like, is there something, or, like, street food or whatever? Like, if you went out to, like... Just for a walk or something, I wouldn't get something to eat. Like maybe we'd go to like a chippy or to Greg's or something. What would you get in Dubai? What's like the thing? So you get a chai tea for a drink, but what would you get for like a snack? Also, I'm interested. Where did you go in Scotland? What was... You went to Aberdeen, I said. Aberdeen. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um... Aberdeen. So see, what I wanted to talk about about the like. I don't. So the Sarah Everard thing, as you know, we've we done a memorial for her last night. The thing I wanted to talk about, though, is the Duchess of Cambridge, because that's all over the newspapers and big, massive pictures of her going there. Why do you suppose that she done that? Because I looked at the video of it as well. She didn't have security with her, and pretty much all the people there had a mask on except for her. She said she wanted to go and privately pay tribute to Sarah, but why wouldn't she have wore a mask? To me, it kind of seems like she wanted to be seen. Pretty much what I take from it is that Shit, bad shit's going on in the royalty so that is a photo op and it's not going to look like good in a photo op if she's got a mask on you need to see that face to, to have no no I to know who it is really yeah but, okay. another I'll comment I think well mostly we're influenced by uh, you know about half of our population is uh, Asian like Pakistanis and Indians and you know so uh, a lot of their foods are sort of popular but instead of uh, like fish and chip shops, we have uh, we call them cafeterias. So they do sort of you know fast food like burgers, chips, hot dogs, that sort of thing. Um, but we also have a lot of people from the Mediterranean, like Lebanon and Syria, these places. So they have something like a doner kebab, but it's not a doner kebab. But oh, like falafels sort of and stuff, like mm. Isle of Rap sort of thing. I can see the the people that I watch. Um, so his name's Khaled or Halid. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's Khaled Al Amri. Um, and him and his wife and they've got two kids and they're from Dubai but his mum is Scottish I think she's from like Glasgow his dad is from Dubai but he came over to Scotland to study and stuff and met his mum and they had a kid and so his mum's like full Scottish and so he's got a really interesting accent it's like sort of like a half Saudi accent a half Scottish accent but like I love watching their family they're so cute and they go like travelling and stuff they're so good and they show like they show everything that sort of goes on over there like things you wouldn't think to ask and like what it's like and Dubai looks like such a cool place like they tell you about the police force and like how um there's like apparently this thing in Dubai where the police force will stop you just to cheer you up like not to give you a ticket or something like that and, like it's like a spread happiness force or something like that like 
it's just really interesting. I find it so fascinating. I'm sure they, we should they go have... to Dubai. Uh, I'm not very good abroad, but yeah, I'll take a shot. It looks very nice. Yeah, Dubai is amazing. It's just so lovely. Um, on the COVID business, um, as we see, there's a the sort of winding down of measures a wee bit. Um, epidemiologist Professor Neil Ferguson, he spoke last year and was saying how serious it was going to be and the government didn't take it seriously. But he's now come out uh, last week and said that he's now 80% sure the country would be a very different place in a few months. He said it's highly likely that we'll have driven COVID down to very low level of case numbers and we can begin enjoying summer. So that gives a bit of hope. But on the reverse page, it talks about the new variants in Europe. Um, the oh. infection rate in the EU is now at the highest level since at the beginning of February, with the spread of new variants of COVID-19 being blamed for much of the recent increase. Several countries are now set to impose a strict lockdown measures in the next few days. So Italy recorded more than 27,000 new cases, 380 deaths on Friday. From tomorrow, most of Italy will be placed under the lockdown. Uh, France as well, a similar situation. They're going to begin to lockdown as well. It says every 12 minutes, night and day, a Parisian is admitted to an intensive care bed. Um, so uh, President Macron is imposing some curfews and social restrictions. In Germany, again, they've got 12,674 new cases. Um, that's been going up and up and up. Poland, the same. Hungary and Czech Republic, the same. So sort of across Europe, um, cases are increasing markedly. And we're not that far away from them. It might not be in the EU anywhere, but it's not that quick of a leap for it to get here. You're muted and I can hear you talking next door. Sorry, on the COVID thing. Like, do you remember last year that the Cheltenham Festival went on? And like, we were all kind of like pissed off at the idea that yeah. we were wearing masks and like, we were pretty much in lockdown and Cheltenham went on. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, we're not allowed to go to Cheltenham. I doesn't mean you would go to Cheltenham anyway. But, um, Betfred have made candles so you can experience Cheltenham in your house. So What, what do they smell made, like? They what smell horses? of, you can get a manure smell. So if you want that, that smell, you can get the smell of the bacon roll that you would buy there. You get the smell of stout. Then it's a sam- bacon sandwiches, stout, saddle leather, and grass. They burn up to 50 hours in the vegan because they're made of soy. Or Betfred will be selling them on their site. And they want people to experience the festival from their living room. And how much are they, does it say? I think they're like a tenner. For oh, like really? one of the big 50 ones, yeah. You can we get can them try and get a hold of one, and we could we could get you as a giveaway. Let us, let us know if you just fancy that. We'll get you a Cheltenham um, candle. Try and get a hold what, of one. Eh? What would you rather? Would you want like, a bacon roll? I one? think it, want... I think it's obvious that for for this demographic, whether they need the manure or the bacon roll, we can let us, uh, let us know feedback and let us know what you want. Um, I was talking to I was talking to Bryce the other day, husband Bryce, about the census that's going to be going on here. And that's been talked about in the news as well. Uh, ministers should plan to hold an emergency census in five years because the COVID pandemic will make this month's survey a snapshot of a strange, unrepresentative time, leading academics has said. So there's going to be a census that I think it's the 27th of March for England and Wales. Uh, Scotland was supposed to have one this year, but they've delayed it to 2022 just because of COVID and everything that's going on. They want to just put it back a wee bit. Um, but they're saying they should hold an emergency one in, in five years' time for 2026. Have you, did you, have you ever been on a, a census? Like, yes. I know you lived off grid for a bit and you didn't like filling sort of official <laughs> paperwork. That is true. But I, I'm sure the last census we had over here, that 
everyone said that the religion was Jedi and it had to be put down as a, a real religion. Did you say that? I don't think I filled it in, as you know, that I was slipping off. Because I always think as well, like, it's, it, so it's been like 10 years, obviously, since the last census in Scotland. So when the census comes, like, according to the census, I'm not even married yet. I've been married like seven years, but according to the census, I'm not. So it'll be the first time I get put on there that I'm married. Right, um, so I'm, I've got it here. It's a time to hang up your lightsabers. Jedi's urged, urged ahead of 2021 census. The trends of people jokingly identify as Jedi is leading to an undercount of non-religious people. People who are non-religious have been urged not to take part in the once-in-a-decade census in declaring that they're Jedi. What? Critics say the they can decide whatever they like. The critics are, are first arose in 2001, two decades ago, where the undercount of non-religious people because that, listen to this, 390,000 people, almost 8% of the population, listed the religion as Jedi on the 2001 census. Well, if that's what they want to do, they should be allowed to do it. The government shouldn't be fucking saying, oh, just don't participate if you're going to do that. No, I think I might say I'm Jedi now just to annoy them. That was the seventh largest religion in the, in the last oh, well. census. See if I can speak to you about something as well. I know you're, it's going to touch your heart a lot because it's probably affected you in the past and, and many people in this area as well. Low-income tenants across much of Britain will be left hundreds of pounds worse off from next month due to the government quietly imposing a real terms cut in terms of housing benefit. From April, the government is freezing the amount of local housing allowance, also known as LHA, meaning tenants will receive the same amount of money as last financial year, even where rents have gone up. LHA is paid to tenants in privately rented homes, including those in universal credit, in some parts of the country, tenants are set to lose more than £1,000 a year as a result of rising rents and new benefit freeze. That is absolutely not fair. Like, it's, we're in a totally different world than we were last year to give them the same amount of money. Like, the way we were talking about with that universal credit uplift, that £20 making such yeah. a difference, keeping people alive, like keeping them you know, prospering and stuff like that. These, like, what the government sees as small changes, it's massive to people. Oh, without a doubt, that is a big change also because they give you that money and you're meant to pay your rent. And what people were doing because before that £20, they were just taking it from their rent. But they give you, like, they were giving, well, with that now, we, you have to add, like, say if your rent is, like, £300, but they get they will not give you 300 they will give you, like, 260 or 280 mm-hmm. Then you have to put that money from, to show that you can pay bills also. Oh, that's even worse, isn't it? And yeah. Now that they're taking that twenty pound a week off you, it's just going to get. Because the two things they can do, you can either ask for a special. I I can't remember what it's called, but you can get them to pay it straight to your, your rent office, or you can get it in hand. But I was I'd never trusted myself because I knew if I got the money, I would be like, all right, I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back, and I'll end up yeah. spending all my rent money, and then so I, I was best getting them to pay it straight to the. I bet when you're broke and you've got like, you know kids to feed or school uniforms to buy or whatever, when you've got that bit of money sitting there, you sort of think, I can understand why they would think, oh, I'm going to buy those things because they're prioritising that and think, oh, I'm a bit short on the rent, but I, I need to buy these things because it's, it's tough. Sometimes you just need a wee something to keep you going. Like, it's, and they shouldn't even be in that position. Um, no. But it's, it's scunning, absolutely scunning. Um, so you go back to religion we were talking about before. If I can talk to you about a Buddhist um, 
sanctuary in Scotland. Are you aware of this? I didn't know that. Uh, nest- nestled in the village of Estdale Muir um, in Dumfries and Galloway, between wet moorlands, farmland and Neolithic stone circles, is the largest Buddhist temple in Western Europe. Sam Yi Ling, home to about 60 monks, nuns and volunteers, and visited by thousands of people each year, was established in 1967 and has welcomed famous names including Billy Conley, Richard Gere and David Bowie. And so people sort of spend time there, but it's the largest Buddhist temple in Western Europe, which is really interesting. It's in Scotland. I had no idea nope. it was there. So it's pretty it. it looks lovely. It's called Eskdale Muir, E S K D A L E M U I R. So have a look at that and, and you'll see that as a wee happy monk, man. It's super cute. So I guess what we wanted to do, like if we can this year, because we've done it a couple of years where we go on random adventures and see that. Mm. But last year was called off, as you know, for things. But this yeah. year, do you want, I would like to go see that, and I'd like to go see. I think you've told me about it, the church that was in that Tom Hanks book, the fuck, the Thingy Brown book. I, I. What do you? You know, it'd be interesting is to take Max the Newshound away because last episodes were sort of bred for that purpose to live oh, in yeah. monasteries with monks. So it'd be interesting to take Max the Newshound and see if he got any sort of flashbacks from his heritage. <laughs> he's a he's a kennel club registered pup. He's a pure breed. Yeah. If people didn't know that, the, the Lapso episode, the, the thingy monks, I'm trying to remember the name of the The Buddhist place. monks. The Buddhist monks, oh, in their temples, is they would have Tibet. Mm-hmm. They would have one of his little dogs and the Tibetan mastiff. So he would hear everything and he would be going around sniffing and looking. Then the big mastiff, who he's meant to get on really well with, would be the one that would tear people apart. So he would be like... The well, main... it makes sense, though, because when you look at Max and Newshound and his relationship with his BFF, Marley, like... Yeah. That's what happens. Marley raises the alarm and, like, hears everything, and Max is running and warns everybody. So he does go on with big dogs. Yeah, he does. The... You weren't there at that time that the the Spaniel just wanted to come over and sniff Marley, and, oh, sniff Max, and Marley almost sent it to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> There was a time where I was walking through the Battery Park and I had a tennis ball in my hand that I was planning to throw for the dog and another wee dog came up behind me and was overexcited and sort of jumped up to my hand and grabbed the ball but in the meantime, like, bit my hand accidentally though. It didn't hurt but, you know, it was a wee bit, you know, but it didn't mean to do it. It was just, I was a wee nip. It was overexcited and stuff like that. But Marley went absolutely fucking nuts. And like, I thought he was going to kill this wee dog because it bit my hand because I just sort of reflexively just went, ow! And Marley just went crazy he was right. not having it a very protective a very dog protect- yeah. a very protective dog but see now that we're since we're going live we have now passed uh, the nine o'clock sort of watershed time can i speak to you about an adult topic go the uh, adult topic let's see if you've got any 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 if any children under 18 are listening please um tune out now um but if i can speak to you about strip clubs gender equality activist hail bristol council's vote on ban for strip clubs Bristol is set to become the biggest city in the country to ban lap dancing clubs and a move campaigners claim will help undermine the sexist cultural norms that lead to violence against against women. The City Council's licensing committee last week voted to consult on proposals to introduce a nil cap for sexual entertainment venues. Bristol currently has two lap dancing clubs. Margaret Hickman, who is the leader of the council's ruling Labour group, said evidence suggested that sexual entertainment venues were linked to violence against women. We can't ignore the fact that casual street harassment of women and domestic homicide are one of the biggest social issues that Bristol has to deal with. So, like, sort of on the back of everything that happened, sadly, with Sarah Everard and things, like, do you think that's a a fair point and a, a good thing? They're throwing a baby with the bathwater there. A lot of people make 
lot of students and things make money from that, and they should just buck up their security and buck up with that. Like, in that, if you lay a hand on, not even like, I mean, in a hit way, like if you lay a hand, like touch their bum or even touch their arm, a big security man will ask you what you're doing and promptly show you the door. Like the place is watched. Aye, like but it. I think I think the view of it is that people that attend strip clubs and stuff, it then promotes that sort of um, that sort of idea that it's fine to sort of catcall women on the streets or Ogle. as as we were talking about last night, we spoke about how attending concerts before we've had people like touching their bum, like people putting their hand upside my t shirt and stuff like that. That sort of thing encourages that sort of idea that that's fine to treat yeah. women that way. And so probably for that point of view, you would sort of agree, would you, that it's a good thing? Oh. The idea of stopping it from that, like, is breeding that behaviour, but it's, it's those people are breeding that behaviour to begin with. Like, those people should just be slapped about to be, like, it's nonsense. Mm. The whole idea, like, you think you can get away with that sort of stuff. I, did we talk about, like, I've been grabbed at, at things like that too. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's nasty. Like, you just don't know what to what to do with it. Like, you, you, you feel you're in the wrong, which is mm-hmm. weird. Right, so a weird thing. Um, we're going to have to draw us to a close now, I'm afraid, because we have to get on and, and get business done. But we're going to be coming back. We'll have another podcast on Wednesday to give you a sort of midweek update of the news. In the meantime, you can find us at Mouth of the Clyde on Instagram. And as we said before, please join us Friday night at 9 o'clock. We're going to have a very special guest, Kirsty McGregor-Burns. Um, I don't know if it's not Burns-McGregor. Hold on, let me just check. I don't want to get her name wrong. I Kirsty McGregor Burns. Sorry, I thought I'd go around the wrong way. Kirsty McGregor Burns, um, psychic medium, is going to be joining us on Friday night, and you can speak to her live on stereo at nine pm Friday the nineteenth. Um, <clears throat> until such a time, we'll speak to you on Mouth of the Clyde. If you've got any contributions, send it in. And once again, thank you so much to Everclyde Boiler Company for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks everyone for contributing and chatting to us. We love chatting to you. It's so fun. Always fun. Yep, and keep an eye on the website because Will's going to have a good article up this week about concerts and stuff in Canuck, so you you know want to miss that. Um, and we'll chat to you on Wednesday night. All right. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.